to the lost souls, the disintegrated spirits, the wanderers, the dreamers, and the seekers. Welcome to the Embodied Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Danielle McGinnis. Our work in this podcast will be to foster healing, transformation, self-expression, creativity, and the development of consciousness. So with our intentions grounded firmly, let's settle in and do some integration work. Hey friends, happy Sunday and welcome back to another episode of the Embody Podcast. If you guys are loving what you're hearing on the show, I would really appreciate it if you slid over to iTunes, dropped a five-star rating or a written review and just let me know what you are loving about the show and what you want to hear more of. Those ratings and reviews help get the show organically into more ears and more souls across the world. So if you've already done that, thank you so much. In today's episode, I want to talk about why I appreciate James Hillman, who is the founder and the creator of Archetypal Psychology. Why I think as a person who has dedicated my life and a lot lot of financial resources to becoming an academic in the Jungian and depth psychological space, why I feel that James Hillman was a very, very important figure in reimagining and imagining forward Jungian psychology. And I bring this up because my fiance and I are getting ready to kick off our sixth book club. We started doing book clubs during the time of the pandemic in 2020, and we've done five of them so far. And these book clubs to my fiance, Rick and I, have been such a wonderful way to cultivate conversation around these different perspectives that different authors bring into our world. We've done books like 12 Rules for Life by Jordan Peterson. We've done Trauma in the Soul by Donald Cowshed. We've done Man's Search for Meaning by Viktor Frankl. And so we've done a lot of different perspectives on what it means to be human. And we're moving on to James Hillman's text, The Soul's Code. And in The Soul's Code, Hillman really talks about the idea and the concept of fate and destiny and what the role of the daemon, this factor of truth has in our character development and what that means and how we look at our lives differently when we have a deeper understanding of this daemonic psychic energy. And so if you're interested in joining us, we start our book club next Sunday, October 30th at 12 Eastern Standard Time. And we meet every month the last Sunday of the month for five months, I think this book club is. So if you're interested in joining, every single book club that we do is a donation-based offering. And we do this because we want to create and cultivate community conversations that don't break your budget. And really, Rick and I do this because we genuinely enjoy having these conversations. So why I appreciate Hillman is because he offers a perspective and a way of working with ideas and images unlike anybody, any neo-Jungian author that I have ever read. And half of the PhD program that I'm currently immersed in 
is learning how to be with Jungian and archetypal psychology and to feel into the different contrasts. And I want to read to you guys an article that I wrote about why Hillman's ideas are so crucial and why I feel like they're very, very important. And so this article that I wrote is about Hillman's perspective of bringing an idea of psychology where the concept and the idea of death is inclusive. So I want to read this to you and I'll make some comments along the way. I'll stop and interrupt myself if I need to. In the 1976 text, Revisioning Psychology, James Hillman laid out four different pillars of psychology. These pillars were personifying, pathologizing, psychologizing, and soul-making. And these pillars offered a fresh way to engage with the deeper mythic layers that Jung said comprise the psyche. And although each pillar that Hillman brings forward offers a unique and elaborate style of revisioning psychology, a fundamental idea that is found throughout each pillar, but in particular the pathologizing pillar, is that engagement with soul implies a necessary engagement with death. Hillman describes pathologizing as the psyche's autonomous ability to create illness, morbidity, disorder, abnormality, and suffering in any aspect of its behavior and to experience and imagine life through this deformed and afflicted perspective. Death plays an important role in the process of pathologizing. And I'm not speaking here on a discussion of literal death, but a discussion on the importance of a metaphorical death, of the rigid, one-sided perspectives that can grip our habitual consciousness. The death of one-sided perspectives allows a person to become more psychological. This allows for a wider and deeper lens with which to engage the psyche and the deeper layers of the mythic imagination. In terms of common one-sided states of habitual consciousness, Hillman particularly calls out material medicine and scientism. This worldview can immensely influence how one engages with certain states of pathology. In modern medicine, pathologies are often viewed through lenses of materialism, naturalism, and biological reductionism. But in archetypal psychology, the intention is not to supplant science or medicine or to deny its efficacy, but to foster a deeper attunement to the multiplicity of ways, the different ways in which one can engage with the inherent pathologies that afflict our soul. Hillman said that death is the world under and within all life, and there the soul goes home. There, psychic existence is without the natural perspective of flesh and blood, so by pathologizing, by taking events to death, takes them to their ultimate meaning for the soul. So Hillman and Jung both viewed archetypal images as more than objective a priori patterns that come out of the collective unconscious into consciousness. They honored these images as real, real in the sense that this imaginal content held influence over an individual's ways that they perceive the world. Jung famously stated that the gods have become diseases, and in this he discussed the neuroses of modern humanity 
as a symptom of the loss of the contact with soul. So by sticking to the images and the fantasies of the soul, Hillman invites a way to work with these modern neuroses through the process of pathologizing, through taking our one-sided perspectives of pathology to death. One might start to see the necessity in their pathological experience. And this in turn may restore the symbolic perspective. It's an imaginal ego in which the field of consciousness is inclusive of the symbolic nature of the soul that is destined down a circuitous path of imagination. This allows a person to see deeper into the myths that are unfolding within their experiences of pathology, and therefore it connects one to the inherent movement that is an experience of soul. So instead of denying pathology, as well as the suffering that comes with it, One must be able to go into this perspective of pathology and suffering and see through the eyes of pathology itself. This is what Hellman deemed an archetypal psychological position, a field of consciousness that is inclusive of many different mythic perspectives that influence it. And while Jung also acknowledged that myths and archetypal images that are symbolically playing out underneath neuroses, Hellman suggested that the neurosis is not the problem. The true problem lies in how one sees their pathology. The problem is a rigid habitual state of consciousness. Hillman said that by refusing the fantastic nature of our lives, ourselves as metaphors and images that are made by the soul, we have become fastened into constant force literalism, ourselves as real and the gods dead. In this literalism of pathologies that's inherent within, an individual starts to no longer see the different ways that the soul is moving and speaking and pulling you deeper into an experience of soul. In literalism, the concrete outer world is the only conceivable reality. The inner world, the reality of soul, is lost. So Hellman often refers to literalism as the enemy of archetypal psychology, And this is because literalism tends to keep individuals imprisoned in their one-sided ways of seeing that prioritizes concrete biological life at its center. And without a field of consciousness that can metaphorically connect us to the movement of the gods, an experience with pathology turns into this personalistic manipulation of outer symptoms in the outer world. And Hillman invites one to see the psyche outside of this naturalistic perspective because it's only really one way to view the psyche at work. While that that perspective is valid, it's only one way. And Hillman's bringing up that there are many ways that we can see the movement of the psyche. And Hillman invites us to go inwards and look through the eyes of pathology itself rather than looking at through our habitual state of consciousness that sees the pathology as a problem. So this death of this one-sided naturalistic perspective allows one to see the organic fallacy at work. Hillman said that otherwise soul remains held within the perspectives of life. Then care of the soul means only reverence towards life and respect for the individual human beings where soul is embodied. To pull away from death standing in direct tension with life, one is invited to sit with death as a phenomenon unto itself. 
death is always happening for the soul. No matter how it affects your life, death is always present. To the extent that one attaches to naturalism and that that fantasy of life, the more one starts to have an immense fear of pathology and the more intensely one may suffer it. So Hillman is actually the bringer of death to modern psychology. He could be viewed as a figure of corruption who disrupts this movement towards transcendence, towards life, towards the best self. Hillman says that by insisting on the brighter side of human nature, even where death becomes sweet, humanistic psychology is shadowless, a psychology without depths, whose deep words remain shallow because transcendence is the aim. And by bringing death into the conversation, Hillman acts as a metaphorical, Hades-like figure to the modern world of psychology, pulling our day-world consciousness down into the underworld. And this is done to develop a different way of perceiving outside of our habitual consciousness of the upper world, a way of seeing the soul's inherent activity in every single psychological movement that occurs. And so the anthropocentric worldview assumes that psychology is focused on the human psyche. And what this does is it tends to place the needs and desires of your human ego as the highest priority, making you and your comfort and your pleasure and you feeling good as the highest aim of psychology. And Jung was an important disruptor of the tendency of psychology to focus solely on the ego. He also warned against any one-sided development of the personality because he said, the more compulsive the one-sidedness and the more untamed the libido which streams off to one side, the more demonic it becomes. And despite this, there's still a tendency for traditional Jungians to fall into a a monotheism about the transcendent function. I did a podcast on the transcendent function if you want to listen to it, but it's the process of holding the tension of opposites and waiting for a symbol to transcend the tension and advance the psyche towards wholeness. Hillman, on the other hand, was not afraid to let the psyche fall into parts and to see how this different polytheistic perspective would influence the person. It's really a a perspective and a psychology of complexification. So Hillman said, hence the task of depth psychology now is the careful exploration of the parts into which we fall, bringing home the realization that all of our knowing is in part only because we know only through the archetypal parts playing in us. So with a corruption to the transcendent worldview, one can see through pathologies of one-sidedness and ask the question, What gods or what movement of the psyche is influencing my habitual state of consciousness? And by getting to know the gods within your neuroses, one can deepen into the meaning that is inherent in any psychological position. And through the death of psychological monotheism, the one-sided over-identified ego eventually learns how to become inclusive of the soul via an attunement to the rhythms of the underworld. Hillman viewed the dream as an individual's nightly encounter with the underworld. The dream and the images held within your dreams exist on their own, not simply for the compensation of egoic consciousness. It's through this disruption of our habitual everyday consciousness through one's nightly exposure to the death of the defensive ego when we sleep, 
that one enters the consciousness of the underworld. This is but one way in which an individual may experience the paradoxical reality of soul. Here, an individual can be in the dream while simultaneously the dream is going on within them. Hillman said that because our psychic stuff is images, image making is a royal road to soul making. The making of soul stuff calls for dreaming, fantasy, and imagination. For Hillman, the soul-making process is always happening. We just have to learn to see it. Hillman's archetypal psychology is an attempt to revision the soul in psychology that is often devoid of the archetypal eye and tends to see through the eyes of scientism and naturalism, but through an archetypal eye that's inclusive of many different figures and gods and myths and stories, including Hades, one can see through the soul's invisible connection to death and its place within our movement of the soul. Hades, who is also known as Pluto, was a god of wealth, the god of death, but also the god of wealth. Psychologically, through a symbolic death and descent into the underworld, one may find true psychological wealth by learning the language of the underworld's inherent value. Hillman said that the richness of Hades psychologically refers to the wealth that is discovered through recognizing the interior deeps of imagination. And in turn, one can revision a psychology that is inclusive of the inherent style of psyche, one that is deep, dark, mysterious, and certainly not centered around the axis of life or your habitual state of consciousness. Hillman honored the soul as a reality unto itself, and an individual's job in becoming psychological is to bring about new ways of apprehending this reality that is inclusive of the archetypal ground of image, myth, and fantasy, even if it comes by way of pain, symptom, and pathology. And so that was just a little piece that I had written about Hillman and his perspective of death and pathology because I really think it opens up the purpose of archetypal psychology and that's to pull away from seeing your life and seeing what is happening in your life through one particular habitual state of consciousness. And when you can disrupt that and see through multiple perspectives, especially the perspective from the inner world, we can start to we we start to release our grasp on that that fallacy or that fantasy that we can actually control our reality but what we can do is we can meet reality with a with a flexible state of consciousness that allows us to move with the rhythms of the soul and when we don't do that typically we're dragged by our heels <laughs> into very, very dark periods of our lives. And so in the Souls Code in particular, Hillman lays out what he calls the acorn theory. This is not a new theory. It's a theory that states that all people already hold the potential for unique possibilities within themselves, such as an acorn holds the pattern for an oak tree to develop. So the book actually describes how a unique individual energy of the soul is contained within each human being and it's displayed throughout their lifetime and shows them in different ways their calling and their life's work and what happens if it fully becomes actualized or what happens if that remains unconscious 
And Hillman also suggests, as Hillman often does, a reprisal for each individual of their own childhood and their present life to try to find their particular calling, their seed of their acorn. This is Hillman's attempt at resouling the world in a space between rationality and psychology. He complements the notion of growing up with the notion of growing down or rooting down in the earth and becoming grounded in order for us to grow further. So if you are a person who is interested in character development, asking the question, what is it? What is in my heart that I have to do? And I don't know why I have to do it, but I must do it. Why is that there? What is that? If you're a person that's asking questions like that, you probably would like this book club in particular. So I haven't really done a particular podcast on on Hillman and archetypal psychology, but I figured I would release this because next week we kick off the book club. And for anyone who doesn't know who James Hillman is, it would give them a little bridge into Hillman's work. Hillman often writes in very circuitous and circular patterns. He's very poetic when he writes and sometimes his works are are deeply hard to understand and I think one of the geniuses of Hillman's writing is that soon as you find solid ground to stand on he brings up another point that makes you move your perspective and and it catalyzes the movement of ideas so Hillman doesn't invite you to lock in rigid beliefs or patterns He's inviting you to see through different lenses, different perspectives, and to see what that does to you as you learn to do that. And um, Rick and I will be the guardrails for the individuals who are going through this book club to start asking questions, to start unraveling and undoing these, these rigid grips on habitual consciousness. So if you're interested in that, it's a donation-based offering. You get to choose the price, um, but you can find all of the details for that in the show notes. And we would love to see you there. Again, it's our sixth one, and we're really excited to do this after about a month off from book clubs. We're kicking it back up. So um, we would love to see you there. And I hope that you guys have a great week, and I will talk to you guys on Thursday. Bye, guys. Thank you.